0: God bless
1: you as you listen. Hallelujah. Amen and amen. Well, God bless you all. Let us pray. Just lift up your voices and speak to the Lord for a moment and invite the Holy Spirit to touch you and to cause you to connect with the Father to be able to receive everything that he's prepared for us today speak to the Lord right now give him glory and honor give him praise say to the Holy Spirit touch my life tonight Touch my heart tonight. Cause me to see the things I must see. To hear the things I must hear. Let my life be transformed in the process. In the mighty name of Jesus.
2: Breathe on me. that day's gone Today I'm in need Holy Ghost power Breathe on It's a simple song everybody can sing wherever you are. Breathe on me Oh Yeah Breathe on me mm-hmm. Holy Ghost power Yesterday's gone And today I am in need you Holy Ghost power Breathe on Can you tell him rain on me Rain, rain on, on me. me Invite him to rain on you Rain, rain on me. me Sing Holy Ghost shower Holy Ghost shower Rain on me, yeah. Yesterday's gone, and today I'm in need. Today I'm in Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost, shower. Rain on me, rain on. Me. Lift your hand and sing it again. Rain on me, rain on me, rain on me. Rain on me. And today, I'm, today I'm in the Holy Ghost shower. Holy Ghost shower. Just rain, rain, on, rain. on. Now tell him, me. Burn, me. Burn, it. Burn, me. Yeah, burn, burn it, me burn me. me burn burn Yesterday is yes, it's gone And today, mm-hmm. today I'm in need Oh yeah Holy mm-hmm. Ghost High Come on and bend me One more time Bend in me, yeah Bend in me I need you to bend and bend in me Holy Ghost High Today, yesterday, today I'm in. Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost fire, Holy Ghost Fire. Holy Ghost Holy Ghost Holy Ghost fire.
1: thank you and tonight have your place and have your way amongst us in Jesus mighty name and let everybody say amen Amen. hallelujah clap your hands unto the Lord everybody God bless you and you may be seated turn your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 3 And we want to read from verse ten, Philippians chapter three, and we're reading verse ten and eleven from the New Living Translation of the Bible. Hallelujah. It says, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Hallelujah. This is a very powerful scripture and these words were spoken by the apostle Paul. Amen. Now he was somebody who had a special call or calling of God on his life. He had an amazing encounter with Jesus when he was on his way to go and do bad He had embarked on a journey to go and arrest people so that they can be punished for proclaiming the name of Jesus and for believing in him. But God had other plans for him. And so Jesus called him on the road to Damascus and revealed to him that he was going to use him in a very powerful way. May God also use you in a very powerful way. Paul was, in his way, was on his way to go and do bad. But God had plans to use him. So whatever bad you are doing. Or whatever bad you are on your way to do. As God called Paul, he can call you also. Amen. So never limit what God can do and what god will do with you may great things come out of you in the name of jesus so paul was greatly used by the lord and he did a lot of work which has greatly benefited the body of christ even up till today he was very effective he was very fruitful in ministry And through him, we have a lot of powerful revelations about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But at this time in his life, he makes a very important statement. And this was getting close to the closing stages of his life and ministry he wrote this letter to the church in Philippi from prison and round about this time he had done a lot of things God had used him to establish a lot of churches to give a lot of powerful teachings to go on a lot of missionary journeys and he had had a great impact so this is at the closing stages of his life and ministry yet he says here that I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. You and I can say that if somebody knew Christ, it must have been Paul. Because most of the powerful teachings that we know of Jesus, you know, we discovered them Or or even the powerful teachings about the Christian experience. And the Christian walk. About faith. About the grace of God. About the, the call of God. About walking worthy of the ministry. About the resurrection from the dead. About the Holy Communion. About giving. About the deity of Jesus. These teachings were given. By the Apostle Paul through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. And he's about to end his earthly ministry. And look at what he's saying. That I want to know Christ. I want to know Christ. And I've actually had the opportunity to teach on this subject for many weeks. I I suppose that that message should be on the podcast. So you can go and look for it. I thought on many weeks on I want to know him, that I may know him. So, you can listen to that message and you will be mightily blessed, I believe, by the grace of God. Now, that statement that he made, that I want to know Christ, must be the desire and the quest of every child of God and of every believer that I want to know Christ amen not that i want to know my pastor it's important to know your pastor because jesus said i know my sheep and my sheep also know me they know my voice so you should know your pastor but you see we are living in a time and in a dispensation where many christians especially especially in the charismatic circles seem to be obsessed with their pastors and the gifts that they are operating and what God is using them to do. And they seem to talk a lot about their pastors, they hail their pastors, and, and, and they, 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 they testify about their pastors. But for me, the question is, As you seem to know your pastor so well, do you know Jesus? Do you know him well? Can you talk about him? Can you share about him? How deep is your relationship with him? What is your level of intimacy with him? Because that must be the most important quest of your life. That I may know Christ. And that I may know him. So as Paul has said. We also must make that our prayer. And our desire. And our mission in this life. That we want to know Jesus. Lift up your hand and say that I may know him. Say it again. That I may know him. Hallelujah. Now in the series I preached on that I may know him. I shared about how you can know Christ. I can't go into all of that. But it's an important question to touch a bit on this evening. That if knowing Jesus is a very important quest for this life and for the Christian walk, it brings up the question of how can we know him? Hallelujah. And we can know Jesus. One of the ways we can know him is by the things he did and by the things he taught. Amen? By the things he did and by the things he taught. Because if you know somebody well, you know a lot about the things the person does. That's one of the ways you can convince anybody that you know somebody. You know a lot about the things the person does. And if you know a lot about somebody, you are also likely to know a lot about the things the person says. And to know Jesus, one of the clear ways that this can be achieved is by learning what we can about what he did. And about what he said. And about what he taught. Turn your Bibles with me to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. And we are reading verse number 1. So we are reading the first two verses. It says, in my first book I told you, Theophilus, about everything. Now take note of what he said everything Jesus began to do and teach. Take note of it again. I told you about everything, Theophilus, that Jesus began to do and to teach. Everybody say to do and to teach. Say it again, to do and to teach. Until the day he was taken up to heaven after giving his chosen apostles further instructions through the Holy Spirit. These are the words of the physician Luke. And Luke was one of the people who came up apart from The disciples that we know them. And God used them mightily. He was a physician. He was a doctor. And two of the books of the Bible are attributed to him. One is the gospel according to Saint Luke. Which was written by Luke. And then the other one is the Acts of the Apostles. Which according to Bible historians was also written by Luke. Hallelujah. Did I just call him an apostle? Because he was not an apostle. Okay. So he wrote these two books of the Bible. And the Acts of the Apostles. He wrote it. And essentially he was speaking to a gentleman called Theophilus. So if you are called Theophilus. Your name is in the Bible. Hallelujah. Now he wrote to him. And he explained to him. That in his first book. Which must have been the gospel according to Saint Luke it means that it was also written and Theophilus, he had Theophilus in mind when he was writing that. But of course, everything that he wrote was under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? Amen. And he explains to him that Theophilus, in my first book, I told you about everything Jesus began to do and to teach. Why did he do that? Obviously, because... He wanted his readers to know Jesus. And to know him well. And you can know him well if you have a good grasp and understanding of the things he did. And of the things that he taught. So one of the ways you can know Jesus. And one of the ways you can achieve this very important life quest and mission of knowing Jesus is by having a deep grasp and understanding of the things he did and of the things that he taught. Hallelujah. The things he did and the things he taught. And for a few weeks, I am going to dwell on Jesus and the things he taught. Because the teachings of Jesus were so amazing and so extraordinary. And he was the greatest teacher who ever walked on the face of the earth. Nobody taught like him. So much so that people were often amazed whenever they heard him speak. Because he was a teacher par excellence. Look at this scripture in John chapter 7, verse 45 to 46. John chapter 7, verse 45 to 46. Now, the high priest and the the Pharisees had sent the temple guards to go and arrest Jesus. This was during the great feast. And This is what the Bible says. When the temple guards returned without having arrested Jesus, the leading priests and Pharisees demanded, why didn't you bring him in? And this was their response. We have never heard anyone speak like this. The guards responded. So in other words, we couldn't arrest him. Because as we went there with the goal of going to arrest him and bring him to you, when we stood there and listened to the things that he said, yeah, we're yeah, we're yeah, we're we were we were so amazed, we were so overwhelmed, we were so taken in by the things that he said. They said, We've never heard anybody speak like this before. So, because of that, they turned and went back to tell that we couldn't arrest him because there was something about him and the way he taught. Jesus was an extraordinary teacher and he was the greatest teacher who ever walked on the face of the earth. Hallelujah. Look at Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 22. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 to 22. It says, Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum. When the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue. And what did he do there? He began to teach. Now, this was the response of the people. The Bible says the people were amazed at his teaching. They were amazed. They were amazed. They were amazed because of the things he said, and the way he went about his teaching, and the examples he gave, and the illustrations that he gave. And this is what he said: They were. Um, this is what they said: They were amazed at his teaching. Why? For he taught with real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. So his teaching was with a lot of authority, was with a lot of power. And everybody who heard him or most people who heard him were amazed at the things he taught and the lessons that he presented. Hallelujah. And I'm explaining to you, ladies and gentlemen, that if you really want to know Jesus well, as Paul said, that I may know him, we also must embrace that quest for our lives that we want to know Jesus. But to know him, one of the ways we can achieve this is by having a deep understanding of the things that he taught. Of the things that he taught. Because he, everywhere he went, he preached, he taught, and he healed a lot of sick people. So, this was the kind of ministry that he operated. Hallelujah. And through his teaching, you can get to know a lot about him. And it can help you in your relationship with him. And so, we want to dwell on the teachings of Jesus. And the words of Jesus, let me say to you ladies and gentlemen, are the most important words you can ever hear. And you can ever look for. Or you can ever follow. Hallelujah. So important and so critical and so essential are the words of Jesus that the 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 Christian fathers and those who translated the Bible from the Greek decided again under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that and that is to do with setting versions of the Bible that the words of Jesus are so outstanding that there is a need to distinguish between the words of Jesus and the words of anybody else. And that is where they decided that the words of Jesus must always be captured in red letter. In red letter. So if your Bible is a good Bible, you would, you will see that some part of your Bible has been colored Red. When you check it, you will discover that that part of your Bible that has been colored, colored red has to do with the words of Jesus. And his words have been colored red to to distinguish between him and what he said and what anybody else said and what everybody else said. Thank God for what Paul said. Thank God for what Peter said. Thank God for what John said. Thank God for what James said. Thank God for what Moses said. Thank God for all the beautiful Psalms that David composed. But ladies and gentlemen, the words of Jesus are more essential and more important and more critical than what any of these other people said. They spoke under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Don't get me wrong. But you cannot... Because you see, what, what sometimes happens is that we try to understand what Jesus said using what others said. But I think that the right order of things... Is to try and understand what others are saying from the perspective of what Jesus said. And so the words of Jesus must be placed at a higher level than the words of anybody else. And anytime you are reading your Bible and you see red letter, immediately you must pay extra attention. Because you are hearing from the one of whom the Bible testifies that in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. He, Jesus, is referred to as the word. And when you read your Bible, and it's a good Bible, and you come across any red letters, you must stand at attention. And your antennas must be up. Because the King of Kings himself, and the Lord of Lords is speaking. And he's not speaking through anybody else. He's speaking directly to us. As captured by the people who were there and who heard him speak. Hallelujah. So the words of Jesus are very, very important. And his teachings are so profound. But you know, I'm sure you're asking yourself that. What is he preaching about? I'll tell you. If you study the teachings of Jesus and the words of Jesus... One of the fundamental things that you will discover about Jesus was that he used a lot of parables. Parables in his teaching. And there was a reason why. So it is one of the reasons why we still up to today, remember a lot of the things that Jesus taught. That's why we know of the story of the prodigal son. We know of the story of the good Samaritan. What other stories in the Bible do you know? Pardon? The parable of the sower. We know about the story of the rich fool. And we know all these things. We know of the story about uh, 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 Lazarus and the rich man. We know about the story of the tears. We know of the parable of the talents. We know of the parable of the lost coin. And we go on and on. And these are things that we know. And I'm submitting to you that one of the reasons why we know these things is because of the way he taught them. He used a lot of parables. And there was a reason why he did that. And so for the next few weeks, I'm going to teach you about the parables of Jesus. Hallelujah. I'm going to teach you on the parables of Jesus. And we are going to take... number of them we may not be able to exhaust all but we are going to take them and it's important to understand the parables that he used because remember what i said at the beginning that if we really want to know christ we can know him by the things he did and by the things he taught and in his teachings he used a lot of parables So to really get to know him well, to get to understand a lot of kingdom principles, to get to understand the Christian walk and how we're supposed to go about it, we need to understand the parables. And he used the parables for a reason. Now, before we even move into the parables, so today is just an introduction. I'm about to close. So from next week, we are going to move into that. We'll take the parables one after the other and move into them. But there are a few things that we want to explain that I, I want to, as it were, mention to you and bring to your attention about parables. Now, the word parable comes from two Greek words. The word parable, it comes from two Greek words. The first word is para, not paracetamol. Para. Okay, let me say para. Because when I say para, no, your mind will go to a headache and how to cure it. So, para. And the spelling is as, as, as you think it. P-A-R-A. Para. And then, the second word is balu. Balu. Which is spelled ball and O. Balu. So, it's B-A-L-L-O. Balu. So, parable comes from two greek words the first word is para and the second word is balo. so you can let people understand that you know greek so you can just bombard them and say do you know para do you know balo?" So say you don't know they are two very powerful greek words and i asked them that have you ever heard the word parable before they will tell you that, yes, I said that, that word parable, it comes from two Greek words, para and balu. But I'm going to tell you what they mean because if that's all you say and you can't go any further para is a prefix or a word that refers to something that is alongside something else. I'll say that again. Para is a prefix, or to simply put it, it's a word that refers to something that is alongside something else. Don't worry, I'm going to explain it to you. So it's a prefix or a word that refers to something that is alongside something else. So for example, if you go to a law firm, or any law department, For example, if you go to the Attorney General's Department or if you go to the Ministry of Justice, you're going to find people there who are lawyers. But apart from them, you're going to find people who are referred to as paralegals. And what it means is that these paralegals are people or paralegal is a term that is used to refer to all those who are helping the lawyers to do their work. So they are all connected to, to, to law, offering justice, defending people, and all of those things. But there are the lawyers, and then there are those who work with the lawyers. They have secretaries, they have people who do research for them, and all of that. All those people are called paralegals paralegal. So, it means that they have been called alongside the lawyers. That's why they are referred to as paralegals. What other para do you know of? Paramedical. So, sometimes you may hear the expression, the paramedical staff. So, they are, this is in reference to people that you find working in the hospital who are not doctors. Or who are not nurses, who do not directly offer those medical services in that sense, but then they help out. That is why, when somebody comes to you and tells you that I work in the hospital, it doesn't mean that he's a doctor. (laughs) So don't be deceived. If somebody says I work in the hospital, it doesn't mean that he's a doctor. He's not lying that he works in the hospital. He works there, but he's a cleaner, he's an administrator, he's a watchman. Uh, he, He may even be a mortuary man. Yes, please. He's a mortuary attendant. He works in the hospital. So somebody like that is a paramedical staff. So that word para is used in reference to something that is alongside something else. Is it easy to understand? Para. So maybe in your head you are saying that so paracetamol is what? <laughs> it's Paracetamol is whatever that has been called to help cetamol. <laughs> so that's the word para. Now the other word Balo means to throw or to hell. H-U-R-L. To throw or to hell. Balu, that is what it means. So, it's interesting that the balu has ball in it. So, imagine that you are throwing a ball. So, balu means to throw or to hell. And so, a parable means something that is thrown alongside of something else. That's what it means. Something that is thrown alongside of something else. So, if Jesus was teaching, what he does is that he uses a parable to, as it were, augment the teaching and to make the teaching easy to understand. So that's the whole purpose of a parable to make it easy to understand. So the first thing you must understand about parables that it comes from two Greek words. What is the first word? Para. And what's the second word? Balo. What does balo mean? To throw or to hell. All right. So parable means something that is thrown alongside of something else. And Jesus used the parables alongside his teaching. And he did so to help us to understand these things better. Then the second thing that I need you to understand about parables, that parables are illustrations. Parables are illustrations. Parables are illustrations. So an illustration is used to simplify or to clarify or to help you to understand what is being said. That's what an illustration in this sense means. It is used to simplify or to clarify or to help you to understand what is being said. And that is what parables are. They are simply illustrations. And they are used alongside, in the case of Jesus, alongside the things that he taught to help us essentially to understand and to get a clear appreciation of something that is being said. So parables are illustrations. Somebody say parables are illustrations. The next thing that I want to draw your attention to is that Jesus did not invent parables. Or Jesus did not invent the idea of parables. What do I mean by that? It is not as if before Jesus Nobody used parables because on the contrary, you know, some of the the Pharisees and the rabbis of that time used parables. And they used parables to explain the law of Moses. So even before Jesus came, parables were being used. But essentially the parables of Jesus were used to give a new revelation. To give a new revelation. It was not just to explain something that that was already in existence. But most of his parables were used to give a new revelation. So understand that Jesus did not invent the idea of parables. Amen. Then it's interesting to note the third thing is that apart from the gospels, you will not find parables anywhere else in the New Testament. Apart from the Gospels. And when we say the Gospels. We are talking about Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. These are the Gospels. And it is only in the Gospels. That you find these parables. In the New Testament. Because the New Testament is made up of 26? 27. The New Testament is made up of 27 books. And it's only in four of them that you discover these parables. So it's a very interesting thought. So parables can only be found in the Gospels, in the New Testament. But there are parables, you can also, that's the next thing, you can find parables in the Old Testament, but there are very few. You can find parables in the Old Testament, but they are very, very few. So, an example of a parable in the Old Testament is in 2 Samuel chapter 12. 2 Samuel chapter 12. When you go back, go and read it. 2 Samuel chapter 12 from verse 1 to 15. Now, I'm sure you recall the story of David and his experience with Bathsheba. Bathsheba was the wife of A man called Uriah. And David unfortunately had a relationship with Bathsheba. And through that, she got pregnant. And in order to hide what had been done, he arranged for Uriah to be killed at the battlefront. He thought that everything was okay, and there wasn't going to be any problem. And then one day he was there, no, then a prophet called Nathan came to him. And when he came to him, he came to tell him a story. He said, once upon a time, David said, "Time, time." He said there was a certain rich man who had a lot of sheep. And he had some visitors. Instead of going to fetch one of his sheep and slaughtering it to take care of his visitors, he saw a poor man in the neighborhood's sheep. Now, this sheep was very dear to this poor man, it was like a son or a daughter. Very dear to this man. And what did the rich man do to the poor man's sheep? He cut the poor man's sheep. And that is what he killed to prepare lamb chops and martin stew. Catch the other time that I prepare martin stew. Still one year, yo. My ba, say me hey? be Eh? Yo. Mark and once. Mark and twice. mutton stew and lamb chops. Have you heard? Yes. She says she has heard. It means that it will happen. And when it happens, I'll preach about it seven times. Do you see? (laughs) Now, that is what he did. And when Nathan finished narrating the story, David was angry and indignant. He said, Who is this man? He said, Very wicked fellow. He must be arrested and sorted out, and he must compensate this poor man with four sheep at least. He was very bored. And then when he finished, blowing hot hair. Then Nathan told him, "Massa, it is you. Now, that story that Nathan told him was a parable. Because there was something that he had to come. There was a certain judgment that God had sent him to, to, to release upon David. But to help him deliver that judgment, he needed a parable, which is something that you use alongside another thing. He used that parable to make his point clearer to him. So, there are a few places in the Bible where you will find, you know, the story, uh, where you will find parables, but they are very few. So, you can find parables in the Old Testament. Then, the next thing I want to say to you about parables and then we close with that, is that whenever Jesus gave his parables, he had two audiences in mind. He had two groups of people that he was addressing or that the parables were directed at. Two different audiences or two different groups of people. And he himself amply described it. The first group that parables were targeting. Were those who have ears to hear.
2: <laughs>
1: those who have ears to hear. And your guess is right. The second group. Those who don't have ears to hear. So any time. Jesus gave a parable, there were these two audiences being being targeted. Those who have ears to hear and those who don't have ears to hear. Our last scripture for the day, Mark chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. So this is just an introduction to the parables of Jesus. Next week, we will take them parable after parable. Mark chapter 4, verse 9 to 12. Then he said, and this was after he gave the parable of the sower. And he ends that parable with this statement. Then he said, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. That's how he ended it. Anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. It continues. Later, when Jesus was alone with the 12 disciples and with the others who were gathered around, they asked him what the parables meant. What did what, what that tell us? All these intriguing stories, but what do they really mean? He didn't explain it, and all you said that anyone who has ears let him or her hear. He replied, You are permitted to understand. The secret of the kingdom of God. But I use parables for everything I say to outsiders so that the scriptures might be fulfilled. When they see what I do, they will learn nothing. So, again, I told you that you can know Jesus from the things that he does. And he himself is hinting at that. They will see what I do and they will learn nothing. Then he goes on to say, when they hear what I say, they will not understand. Now, look at something very curious that he says. Otherwise, they will turn to me and be forgiven. What is Jesus saying? What is he saying? Now, so from here... We can see that the parables were targeted at two groups of people. And he talks about those who have ears to hear. Which by reference means that there are others also who have ears but they don't hear. Everybody has ears but not everybody can hear. What is the deeper meaning of it? And the deeper meaning of it is this. That there are people who hear and they hear because they have a certain attitude of I want to hear, I want to understand and I want to run with what I have heard. These are the people that he is describing as those who have ears to hear. These are the people that you describe as the doers of the word and not the hearers only. These are the people who try to obey what they hear. And so they are interested in hearing. They are interested in listening to what is being said. They are interested in trying to understand what is being said. That is why after he gives the parables, the disciples will go with him and in private they would ask him that. What is it that you were saying? What are you trying to explain to us? He prayed to many people but it's not everybody who followed up to find out what were you trying to say. It is those who were really interested in what he was saying and they wanted to understand and they wanted to to have a clear grasp of what was being said. These are the people that he describes as those who have ears to hear. Hallelujah. But then he also describes another group of people. And it's like those people, no, they are not supposed to, as it were, hear and understand. That's what he's saying. He says, otherwise they will turn to me and be forgiven. So it's like there are some people who hear. But it doesn't benefit them. And from what Jesus is saying, it is like God has deliberately allowed it to be so. And the parables are being used. So that certain things can be hidden from such people. Why? And who are these people? Now this second group of people who will describe as those Who have ears but do not hear. It's in reference to anybody. And I pray that you are not in this category. Who is not interested. Is not interested in in hearing. Is not interested in what is being said. Or anybody who just hears. But it doesn't change anything. Or it doesn't have any impact. The person doesn't run with it. So the person has ears He has heard what is being said, but that is where it stays. It doesn't go any further. He doesn't put what he hears into practice. And if it is somebody who, who, and some of these people, they have in their hearts rejected what is being said. Have you realized that there are some people when you are trying to tell them things they don't want to hear? Have you met people like that before? Sometimes you're trying to witness to somebody. You want to tell the person about Jesus. You want to get the person to understand that there is a savior who came to die for him or her. But you realize that they are not interested in hearing. Sometimes when you go out on outreach and evangelism and all of that, you meet people who suck you and drive you away. I don't have time for those things. I'm not interested in what you have to say. Now, if people continue in that way for a long time, they get to a certain point where now the only thing that can come to them is judgment. So it is almost like they've been set up for judgment. And for such people, they will hear but they will not understand what is being said because it's like they they have been prepared for judgment. And as I'm saying that we, we should not fall into this category. That's why if you come to church and then you realize that You don't seem to be interested in what is being said. In what is being taught. In what is being shared. You are always yawning. You see, always yawning is a sign of a lack of interest. In what is being said. Or you have a certain posture. Or you carry yourself in a certain way. You know? And and it is obvious. That's, that's why if if we don't take a one of these days, I will ban totally the use of phones in the service so that you come to church with an actual Bible. Do you see? Because what it is is that there, there, there are some people asking the word of God is being preached they are Facebooking they are TikToking they are WhatsApping they are tweeting they are Instagramming that's what they are doing and if that thing doesn't change you can easily become one of those that Jesus was referring to they have ears they cannot hear and when it gets to a certain point it's almost like you are giving up on so the only thing that is awaiting you is judgment so ladies and gentlemen we have to deliberately position ourselves in such a way that we will always be included in the first category of those who have ears and can hear So one of the prayers that we must pray all the time, each and every one of us, Father, any time the word of God is being ministered, any time the word of God is being taught, may I be somebody who has ears, who can hear. And may I be somebody that you will stir up a certain interest, a certain interest in what is being said. And may I be somebody who has a desire not just to hear, But to put the word into practice so that it will benefit me greatly. It's one of the prayers that we should pray. I'm telling you. And we must never come to church and be among this second group whom Jesus is referring to. That when they see what I do, they will learn nothing. When they hear what I say, they will not understand. And there are people like that, they don't understand anything. Have you dealt with somebody like that before? Somebody that you are trying to explain things to. You are trying to point things out to. These are the people you hear being said that on And for some people, it is deliberate or deliberate. They don't want to understand. They've already made up their mind. They have taken an entrenched position. And they've decided that nothing that you say However you say it. Whichever illustration you use. Whichever parable that you I'm not interested. That is why anytime after Jesus finished preaching. And he used the parables. It was those who were really interested. Who follow up. Because to them no. We can't let it end like this. He's told us a very fantastic story. We must understand what the story means. We must understand. So they'll go and see him. And then he would explain to them. But there are those who are not interested. They are not looking for anything. They don't want anything to get better. So they have ears. They will hear. But it will not benefit them. So as we go through the parables of Jesus. It is my prayer and my desire. That as you hear these parables. And as I teach on them. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. May you become Amongst those who hear and not only hear, but you understand, you grasp it, and you are determined to run with what you have heard. Now believe that it's going to be a very wonderful journey into the parables of Jesus. Ladies and gentlemen, we will take off next week, Wednesday, by the grace of God. Rise to your feet and let us close tonight's service. Father we are grateful to you for tonight and thank you for what we have heard and right from this very moment we are determined to become people who have ears who can hear and who can run with what they hear and who will do what they can through the help of the Holy Spirit to put what they have heard into practice deliver us from a certain kind of hearer who is not interested in anything that is being said. Who doesn't believe in what is being said. Who has a skeptical attitude to anything that is being said and has no intention to run with the word. Deliver us from being believers who come to church and are not looking for anything and are not eager to receive a revelation, to receive an instruction, to receive guidance to receive direction deliver us from that attitude in the name of Jesus drive that evil spirit out of our hearts we bind that spirit and we reject it tonight in the name of Jesus I speak and I release every member of this church that will become in the first category the good category of people who have ears who hear and who run with what they have heard thank you for the journey that we've commenced tonight in Jesus mighty name and let everybody say amen put your hands together for Jesus God bless you you may be seated
0: Thank you for listening to The Shepherd's Voice with Pastor Johnny Awanyo. We do hope that you were greatly blessed. For further inquiries, please call, WhatsApp, or send an SMS text to plus God bless you.